Thanks to this season's presenting sponsor, Driscoll's. Only the finest berries. Hello, young chefs, and welcome back to Mystery Recipe. I'm Molly Birnbaum, editor-in-chief of America's Test Kitchen Kids. And I'm Mitzi, oven mitt, co-host, and Molly's right-hand gal. Every week on Mystery Recipe, we'll be talking about the fun, fantastical, and fascinating sides of a different kitchen ingredient. And at the end of the season, we'll use all the ingredients to cook a mystery recipe together. It's day two of Vegetable Oil Week, and today's episode is going to be a slick... No, uh, we'll fry up some... No, give a neutral base to... Nope, I've got nothing, Molly. The puns are a little tough for this week, aren't they, Mitzi? Yeah, you know, I'm really struggling. I'm trying to think up some butter jokes, but they're only marginally better than what you've got. Yeah. What? Did you get it, Mitzi? Because margarine is made out of vegetable oil? Nope. What's margarine? It's just like butter, but made of vegetable oil. That's okay. It's time for our theme song. Looks good. I bet it tastes good. Ooh. Say who? Mystery recipe. Yep, it's a tough week for puns. We'll say. <laughs> Maybe Parker can help. Hey, Parker. Listeners, in case you missed it, Parker is a potholder and our new intern. They're going to be learning from me all season long and helping us out with different segments on the show. Pun brainstorms are maybe the best part about podcasting. What a great thing to have our intern help out with. Hi, Mitzi. Hi, Molly. You called? Hi, Parker. Yes, we're trying to come up with some vegetable oil puns, but it's been really hard. Yeah, I can Nola imagine. Ha, <laughs> good one, Parker. Wait, what? Canola oil is a type of vegetable oil. It is? It is. Speaking of learning new things, it's time for Tricky Trivia. And I could use your help for this, Parker. Are you ready to play? Another round of Tricky Trivia, huh? Cotton fibers, I was born ready. And if I get them all wrong, that's totally fine. Yep, you just do your best and get ready to learn. Let's do this! Okay, now remember, for this segment, I'll say a fact about our theme ingredient, and you try to figure out if it's true or false. Ready? Here's your first one. True or false? In order to make vegetable oil, a big, leafy, green salad of all types of vegetables is placed in a centrifuge. A centrifuge is a machine that spins very, very quickly. It separates the oil from the solid vegetable matter. Well, obviously that one is true. Vegetable oil comes from vegetables. It says it right in the name. I guess you could squeeze the vegetables, wring them out like a towel maybe, to release the oil. But it sounds so much fancier to have it in a centrifuge, and I'm guessing vegetable oil makers are fancy. So yes, definitely true. That one is false, Parker. 
It sounds right, but the name is not totally accurate. Usually, a product marketed as vegetable oil is made with oil extracted from soybeans. It's sometimes made with canola or corn oil, or with a blend that can also include other oils like sunflower or flaxseed. So yes, while vegetable oil does come from plants, it's not accurate to say that vegetable oil comes from a salad. Bummer. Has anyone tried putting a salad in a centrifuge? Could be good. Just a thought. Not a bad idea. All right, here is your next one. Canola oil is one of the most popular vegetable oils in the supermarket. But true or false, canola oil comes from the canola plant, a perennial flowering bush that grows in tropical climates. Now, Parker, is that true or false? Does canola oil come from a flowering bush in tropical climates? False. I see you, Molly. I don't care if you're my boss's boss. Fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice, shame on me. I guess I forgot how that saying goes. Either way, you won't get me again. If vegetable oil doesn't come from vegetables, then canola oil definitely doesn't come from canolas. False. Correct. Excellent sleuthing, Parker. Just like vegetable oil doesn't come from salad, canola oil doesn't come from a flowering canola plant. Canola oil is made from rapeseed. Rapeseed is a kind of flowering plant that is part of the cabbage family. Canola is actually just a made-up name. There is no canola plant. But canola oil became popular in American supermarkets in the mid-1980s, with a boost from Canadian oil producers who cleverly invented a more appealing name based on the words Canada Oil Low Acid. Canada Oil Low Acid. Canada Oil Low Acid. Can Oil Low Acid. Can Oil Low Canola. Canola! Exactly. Okay, last one. True or false? You can make cooking oil from all of the following. Rapeseed, palms, olives, peanuts, corn, cottonseed, soybeans, avocado, sesame seeds, sunflower seeds, and flax seeds. So, is this true or false? Can you make oils from all of those different ingredients? Some of these I definitely know. Rapeseed, we just talked about that. Sunflower seeds, flax seeds, yes and yes. Olives, yes please. I've talked to our kitty friend Oliver, so I know all about that. But cotton seed? Cotton is used to make clothes and potholders, like me, but not oil. I'm not oil, I don't think. And palms? Well, I am well acquainted with palms. Those are the flat middle part of the hands. You don't make oil out of hands. So false. Oh, Parker, so close. But that one is true. You can make oil out of all of those things. What? Well, cotton fibers... You learn something new every day. (laughs) Cotton seeds is more like it. There are a ton of different cooking oils on the market. All right, that's all the time we have for Tricky Trivia today. 
Great job, Parker. Thanks, Molly. All right, I got one right. She sure did. But it's not about getting them right or wrong, is it? Nope. It's about what you learn along the way and what our listeners learn, too. Which ones did you get right and wrong, listeners? I know I wasn't the one playing, but I learned all about canola oil just from listening. Neat. It's nice to know that what you do matters to other people. That's right. Everyone learns by watching and helping the people around us, not just from going to school or doing tricky trivia. We could be learning all the time if we pay attention. I love that, Mitzi. Speaking of paying attention, our friend and producer Chad is back with another edition of Ask a Grown-Up. He'll be talking to someone who works at a state fair. They fry up all types of delicious foods using vegetable oil. Can't wait to listen and learn all about it right after the break. I'll be back. Right after a word from our sponsors. Grownups, these ads are for you. Hey, grownups. If you're anything like me, it's easy to let grocery shopping fall to the bottom of your to-do list. Kroger's grocery delivery service has taken the stress out of the process. You don't even need to leave your house. Shop online and get fresh groceries delivered to your house in as little as an hour. And who doesn't love a delivery? My daughter Olive sure does. It's a package. What do you think is in it? I don't know. This is all special for you, Olive. The nice people at Kroger sent us all these snacks just for you. Learn more at Kroger.com. What does that look like? A tree. Tree? It kind of looks like grapes. And what's that? I don't know. Hi, grown-ups. We wanted to tell you about Driscoll's Blackberries. Here at Mystery Recipe, we know that kids will always give us an honest take on any situation. So we gave them the mic and asked them some questions. Let's talk about blackberries. What can you tell me about them? Like, sweet but also tart. And juicy. Like, it's a good balance. I don't really share my blackberries because they taste good. So they're all mine. Driscoll's worked hard to cultivate sweet and juicy blackberry varieties that have a delicious flavor. These kids love them, and we think yours might too. Find out more on how Driscoll's grows only the finest berries at driscolls.com. Okay, I gotta go. And we're back. I'll be back. Like the Terminator. Did you like my Arnold impression? I'm the Terminator. I really did. All right, it's time for Ask a Grown-Up. Take it away, Chad. Thanks, Molly. Today I'm talking to Miss Ruth Hans. Miss Ruth is the owner of Ruth's Tamale House, which in partnership with Smokey John's Barbecue has developed fried food recipes for the Texas State Fair Big Tex Choice Awards for a few years running now. Her winning fried food recipes include her fried taco cone, Frito pie, and fried jello. Her repeated wins at the Texas State Fair's biggest food competition make her commonly known in the area as the Texas State Fair Queen, but she's been in the food industry for nearly five decades. Since founding Ruth's Tamale House in 1970 with her late husband Adolf, Ruth has weathered many, many storms, ultimately partnering with another business, Smokey John's Barbecue. 
She has been a staple vendor of the Texas State Fair since 1988, which is known for its variety of eccentric fried foods in addition to its carnival rides and livestock competitions. How are you today, Miss Ruth? I'm fine, thank you, Chad. How are you? I'm doing great, thank you. So Ruth, uh, you have been working with the owners of Smokey John's Barbecue in order to develop some winning recipes that you've been selling at the Texas State Fair. Is that correct? Yes, yes. Other than the uh, tamales, of course, which is my staple, uh, we enter the Big Tex Choice Awards every year, and that's been going on since 2005. In 2016, we won the top award, Fried Jello. That's great. Well, I love Jello and I love fried food. So fried Jello sounds like it would be a winning combination. It, it, it's something more or less like a deep fried beignet or or jelly donut, or that type of thing. But it was beautiful. That sounds delicious. What type of oil do you use in order to fry the food? Vegetable oil. Vegetable oil. Of course, you know that's a combination of a variety of oils, but. Uh, because of the smoke point and because it has to be changed regularly, that type thing. And for as many uh, deep fried jello balls that we did, of course, we had to use lots of vegetable oil. Miss Ruth, can you tell me what your favorite part of selling food at the State Fair is? I love the fair more than it's one of my favorite, favorite uh, times of the year. Christmas, State Fair, uh, New Year's Day, and, and Juneteenth. Uh, <laughs> It's beautiful. I love the parade. Always did since I was a little girl. I know that you have a long history going to the Texas State Fair. Um, can you tell me a little bit about uh, what it was like to go there for you as a little girl? I, I began when we were about 10 or 11 years old. Uh, at that time, the State Fair was a, a segregated uh, event. Of course, that's the way it was. You'd take the school bus and the bus driver would bring us to the State Fair um, you've used the word segregation, and I wonder if I can ask you what the word segregation means. Actually, it meant it was colored and white. In fact, all the facilities were more or less separate. So, so there was a history, a, a point in our country's history where people of color and people who were white did not do the same things at the same times. So things were separated. Exactly. Exactly. Now, when I was a little girl... We, uh, we didn't talk much about, we didn't learn anything about uh, segregation or racism in, in the history books. And uh, of course, uh, after growing up and looking at TV and listening to uh, and experiencing certain things at my age, seeing white and colored signs, not being able to try on a hat in, in certain department stores, that made you wonder why. I thought my head was just as clean and as pretty as, and, uh, as anyone else's. The uh, State Fair, in, in fact, it was a, more or less a white event. We only had one day per year. Yeah, so it sounds pretty unfair to me that out of the whole fair, there was only one day where people of color were allowed to go for so many years. And as someone who, who has been to the fair back before desegregation, what does that mean for you now that you're able to sell food, have a booth, and even win awards at the fair today? I have flashbacks. And especially uh, since the last uh, state fair, when we won both awards, the savory, and the sweet, can you, can you imagine how it feels uh, to 
began going to the state fair in the segregated uh, setting as a little girl, born in 1934, a little black girl during the Depression, and now becoming the state fair queen. Why do you think it's important to, to learn about some of the more difficult parts of our history? Oh, it, it's t- totally necessary. Um, that's the only way we can move forward. Yeah, if we ever forget, you know, you deem doomed that everybody says to repeat it. So actually talking about it and, and uh, uh, actually having conversations about it and speaking the truth, then people understand and I know about you, you know about me. Sure, even though we might be very different people, the, our, our history might be very different too, and so learning that history helps us better understand each other. I think it's, it's important because it's not imagining a history that is long past, right? It's something that, that people who are, who are still alive and working and, and living and winning fairs today have had to experience in their lifetimes. That's, that's the only way we're going to move forever is to, to uh, sit and, and, and actually be truthful with each other. Yeah, have open conversations. Mm-hmm. And continue to learn sort of from people like you who have so much experience that they can share with us. Just looking back over my life, I, from a little girl loving to come to the state fair once a year to becoming or being labeled queen of the state fair of Texas. Now you just can't beat that. Great, Miss Ruth, this has been an absolutely wonderful conversation. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat. Thank you so much. Thank you. Back to you, Molly. Thank you, Chad. And thanks to Ms. Ruth of Ruth's Tamale House and the folks at Smokey John's Barbecue in Dallas, Texas. How amazing! I love fried foods and jello, but fried jello? Oh, I feel weak. I know the feeling. All right, it's time for another edition of How to Time. Parker, we want you to practice your cooking techniques. And so, every week, our friend Andrea is going to teach you something new to up your arsenal of kitchen skills. Cotton fibers! Is it how-to time again already? How-to time. Time. How-to time. Time? How time time? 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 Andrea! Hey there, Andrea. Andrea is a test cook here at America's Test Kitchen Kids. That means she works on developing recipes and experiments for our cookbooks and things like the Young Chef's Club boxes. You can see tons of our recipes, including Andrea's, by going to atkkids.com. Hi, Molly. Hi, Mitzi. Hi, Andrea. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me. What's up, Parker? How have you been? I'm doing great ready to bulk up my culinary toolbox here with some new kitchen skills. And did you know the listeners at home are going to be learning too, just by listening along? I did. I've learned some of my most valuable lessons just by listening. Well, what do you say about getting started with how-to time? I say, yes, please. What are we going to learn to do today? Today, we're going to learn all about whisking. Whoa, do we need our kitty friend Oliver here for this? I just saw the handsome devil. His whiskers are regal and proper. Whisking, not whiskers, Parker. Though, do tell Oliver I said hello. 
Whisking is a way to combine ingredients, although it does other stuff too. Right. Yes. I knew that. Sorry. Any excuse to talk about Oliver and I'm just poof off the deep end. Oh, same. Same, 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 same. This is great, actually, because sometimes I can't tell if I should use a whisk or a spoon to mix things when I'm cooking. That's a good point, Parker. It's important to use the right tool for the right task. Spoons and rubber spatulas work well for simply stirring ingredients, like when you stir a pot of sauce on the stove. But a whisk is best when you need to combine ingredients until they are evenly incorporated. I'm confused. I'm still not sure I understand the difference between stirring and whisking. That's fair. A whisk is the tool to use when you want to make sure all of your ingredients are mixed evenly. Like if you're mixing dry ingredients for a cake. You want the flour, sugar, salt, and other ingredients mixed together evenly. It wouldn't be good to leave spots that just have a big clump of sugar, for instance. A spoon just isn't as good at getting all those teeny tiny bits of each ingredient mixed up together. Okay, I think I get it. What about for liquidy things like eggs or the vinaigrette Champ talked to in the scoop? Would you use a whisk or a spoon for those? Whisking is the best way to scramble eggs and a great way to mix up vinaigrettes, which is why we're talking about whisking in Vegetable Oil Week. It all comes down to the shape of a whisk. The tines on a whisk are much better than a spoon or rubber spatula at breaking up and distributing ingredients. The ballooned shape of a whisk is also really good for whipping air into ingredients like egg whites or cream. Whipped cream? That's my favorite! Well, that's good to hear because I've got a little experiment for us to do to help us learn the best technique for whisking. An experiment? I better get my lab coat. I've got it right here for you, Parker. Thanks, boss. Nice one, Mitzi. Management is all about anticipating your employees' needs, Molly. I learned that one from you. Okay, ready. You look great. Very professional. So, I have two bowls with heavy cream, a little bit of sugar, and two whisks. We're going to use them to find out the best way to whisk. How many different ways could there be? Well, here at America's Test Kitchen Kids, we found there are three main ways that our cooks whisk. Stirring, which is exactly what it sounds like, using the whisk to stir in a sideways circular motion. Beating, which is using the whisk in more of an up-and-down looping motion with the bowl slightly tilted. And side-to-side, which is dragging the whisk in a back-and-forth motion across the bowl. Cotton fibers, that's a lot to remember. Don't worry, Parker, we're only going to test two of these methods today. Since there are only two of us, we're going to test stirring against the side-to-side method. How will we know which one works best? I'll whisk this cream using one method, and you'll whisk that using the other for five minutes, and we'll see who gets closest to whipped cream. Which method do you think will whip cream the fastest? Hmm, I always stir when I whisk things, so I'm going to mix things up by predicting the side-to-side will work the fastest. Curveball! Getting crazy over here. Watch out for Parker today, folks. Okay, so here's what you're going to do for the side-to-side technique. Hold the whisk in one hand and use your other hand to keep the bowl in place. The bowl should be flat on the counter. Your hand is only there to keep it steady as you whisk. 
Place your whisk in the bowl and quickly drag it from one side of the bowl to the other, being careful not to splash any cream out. You want to move quickly, but not make a mess. Okay, I'm ready. Me too. One, two, three, go. What I love about podcasts, Molly, is that we can just cut right to the good stuff. That's true. Let's skip to the end of this whisking challenge. Time's up. Whew. Let's see what you got there, Parker. I think I have the whipped cream. Hang on. Let me taste it real quick, just to be sure. Mmm. Yep, yep, yep. That's whipped cream, all right. Although, you know, I'm still not quite sure. I might need to taste it again. Mmm. It's light. It's fluffy. It's voluminous. Mm-hmm. Yep. Definitely whipped cream. Wow. That was really quick. It really was. Let's look at my bowl. That doesn't look like whipped cream to me. It's still pretty liquidy. That means side to side did work best. But wait, why? Well, it worked best because of something called sheer force. Sounds epic. Sheer force is when you make one layer of liquid move in the opposite direction of another layer of liquid. Say who? When you whisk your cream side to side, you're using force to pull the cream in one direction, then using force to switch directions and immediately pull it in the opposite direction. The cream moving in two directions so quickly creates channels that trap tiny air bubbles in the cream, which is what makes liquid cream into whipped cream. Does that mean stirring with a whisk won't make whipped cream? No, I would still get whipped cream if I kept stirring. It just means it would take a lot longer. When I was stirring with my whisk, I used a circular motion in the bowl, which moved the cream in only one direction, the direction I was stirring in. The stirring motion will still trap tiny air bubbles, but it will take more than five minutes. I guess I'll be whisking everything side to side now. I've avoided eating more of this whipped cream through sheer force of will alone, but I'm not going to be able to hold off much longer. Want to taste? Anyone? Sure, I'll try some. That was amazing. Thank you, Andrea. One step closer to opening up my own diner. I can see it now. Up at the break of dawn, whisking whipped cream for my waffle deluxe special. Well, you're making me hungry, Parker. I love that you have a vision that you're working towards. Just remember to keep practicing with that whisk. All right, I'll see you next week. Bye, Parker. Bye, Mitzi and Molly. Thanks, Andrea. Well, that's about all the time we have today, but we'll be back on Friday with another oily episode. We've got some very tasty testing to do in our pressing questions segment, followed by something wacky in our wild card. And remember... At the end of the season, we'll be using all of our ingredients in a very special mystery recipe to cook together. Can you guess what it is? If you love Mystery Recipe, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. That way you won't miss an episode. Until then, keep keep on on cooking. cooking! Mystery Recipe is hosted by me, Molly Birnbaum, and I'm a bottle of Heinz tomato ketchup. Chad Chennai is our writer and producer. He is a cupcake. 
Our executive producer is Caitlin Kelleher. She's a salty, sweet chocolate chip cookie. Scoring, sound design, and mixing by Matt Boynton of Ultraviolet Audio. He's the cherry on top. Jonathan Roberts composed our theme music and is a fizzy drink. Our post-production supervisor is Ken Margolis, an artichoke. Our production manager is Diane Knox, who is also broccoli. Jack Bishop is the chief creative officer of America's Test Kitchen. He's a garden-grown green zebra tomato. David Nussbaum is our CEO, and he's a homemade ravioli. Special thanks to our senior science editor, Paul Adams, our deputy editor, Kristen Sargianis, executive food editor, Susanna McFerrin, assistant editor, Katie O'Hara, senior editor, Afton Cyrus, test cook, Andrea Vavjin, and test cook, Cassandra Loftlin. Andrea Vavjin was a contributing writer on this episode. This episode featured the voices of Kira O'Sullivan and Neo Sihi. Special thanks to Ms. Ruth Hauntz from Ruth's Tamale House, her family, and Smokey John's Barbecue. Thanks again to our sponsors, Kroger and Driscoll's. Mystery Recipe is a production of America's Test Kitchen Kids. Do you think Andrea will help me open my own diner? I hope Mitzi is my very first customer. grown-ups, I wanted to tell you a little bit about our newsletter. If you love the fun food content we share on Mystery Recipe, then sign up today for our ATK Kids newsletter to receive even more recipes, activities, and stories from me straight to your inbox. As a mom of two, I always try to include things that are important to my family, and it's a great way to hear about all the new things we are cooking up at ATK. Plus, every new email added will be entered for a chance to win three free ATK Kids books for toddlers through teens. We'll draw 10 winners every month while the promotion lasts. And we have some great books available all the time. Head to atkkids.com newsletter to sign up today for your chance to win. 